welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kruger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we are meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach, live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited for today's guest because this is someone who comes to me through, he actually knew my wife back in the day. Now, you also might know this person because he is, I want to call him the patriarch of the mighty McClure's. Justin McClure is with us today. He is a phenomenal human being who's overcome so many things in his life to be the amazing individual that he is today. Justin, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. And I don't know if any of that is true, but I'll try to live up to it. <laughs> I, in my eyes, it's true. Yeah. So, so, so there it, it's true, at least for me. And I think it is for you too. talk to me real quick about the mighty McClure's because this has become kind of like a media empire. I want to call it. It's, it's, it's huge. It's, it's, it's grown. You're, you're well over a million subscribers on YouTube. That's just that one channel. You have several. How did this all kind of come to fruition? Well, you know, we, I call ourselves the Mighty McClure's, which is a, a bold statement because my wife and I, we don't really have that type of ego or boldness. But I decided you know, recently, I said, there's so many family channels. And I said, you know, the content that we're making, it's, it's mighty. We're making, we're giving people a reason to, we're motivating people. We're inspiring people. We're making positive content. We're, we're serving a good place for the universe right now. There's something mighty about that. So people can, you know, live mightier in their own lives. So we rebranded from the McClure family to the Mighty McClure's. And yeah, quickly we have close to 2 million on um, YouTube. My son has a couple hundred thousand. My daughters have a new channel. They have a couple hundred thousand. On Facebook, we have two channels with over a million each. Instagram, you know, we're doing our thing there. And so basically I, I call us a kind of like a media empire. We are a family media company. We make our money from ads and such and brand deals and this week, we've worked with like several brands. We just signed contracts for Duracell, Disney, Nintendo, Walmart. Like it's, I say this out of complete gratitude. Like it's really, really a grateful place, especially right now during this you know pandemic when so many people are struggling for, for work or losing their jobs and such. So we, we are very, very grateful. Uh, but at the same time, we've also worked extremely hard for it and we've earned it. How did it start? In brevity, in 2016, we had a viral video with my daughters. And that catapulted into my interest in saying, I would love to document memories with my family and make a living off that, but I don't know how to do it because we don't do drama. We don't, we don't buy flashy things. So we just essentially tell stories. I got better and better and better at that. People kept following. And so at some point we were able to, you know, quit our jobs, which my wife and I both had six figure day jobs at the time. And uh, it took a lot to get out of that career. But then when, when we went, when we went for it full time, we kind of just didn't look back. So it started with a viral video. 
they put us on the Today Show and Good Morning America. And then we didn't know what to do after that, but we just said, let's just keep making some content. Let's keep trying to like make feel good content that makes people feel good, that has a good message. We, we decided to work with like special needs kids and like all these other things that we felt were really good life lessons. And most importantly, we always believed in our content and we still do. We believe that it serves a great positive purpose and it serves a good purpose for the world. And that's what kind of keeps us going now. So that's why I call it the Mighty McClure, because our content hopefully is helping make other people mighty in their own lives. That's, it's so aptly named. I have to say there's there's so much out there where it's getting hits, it's getting views because it's either it's either mean spirited or uh, it's just crazy. It's bonkers. It's bananas. But you guys are actually doing something that's meaningful. And I just think that that's so important, especially nowadays, and especially for everyone who needs to to have that positive, uplifting vibe in their life right now. You touched on the fact, obviously, and, and and I know this, that, you know, your daughters have have their own channel. And with respect to having kids with a social media slash YouTube page, how does that sort of play into things? I mean, obviously, they've been on camera for a while now, so they're no strangers to being in the public eye. But as the dad, right, as a parent as and, and from one dad to another, do you ever get concerned with a how people are going to react or what that's going to do, having them in the public eye with? with respect to you know their development and growing up and how they're treated? The way I look at it is that I told my daughters early on when they could understand this, I said, do you want you know, mom and dad to go work in a building nine to five and you don't see us? Or do you want to work together and build a family brand and see us you know, essentially all the time? And you know, our, our kids love their mom and dad. Like they just, they, they don't want to be around anybody else but us because we're very close. So basically I let them make the decision but also let them know that this is work. And, you know, Adam, I think it's very clear that I'm very blunt about things. When I was growing up in North Georgia, I spent my days, uh, when I was my daughter's age at six, seven, I was chopping wood. I was feeding farm animals. I was building fences. I was doing all this work that wasn't fun, but I felt part of a family and I felt part of a team. So my daughters essentially are learning the responsibility, learning how to participate, learning how to speak up, learning how to communicate, the way I do things, because I'm a director of photography and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a director, it's like I run our videos like film sets. So there's like marks, there's start times. So my daughters are amazing at their, their ability to follow instructions and be patient and understanding. And anybody would have to be crazy to come look at the way we operate and say, wow, this, is, this has got to be the best parenting I've ever seen in my life. To, 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 to see a family this close, but kids that are able to participate and communicate it all worked together. So, because I will touch on that, there is a bit of concern. There are some families out there that might, you know, exploit their kids and they and they try to like make money off their kids. And our our whole thing is that we we are a family media business company. We succeed if the whole family succeeds if we're happy. And so far, it's worked out really good. But we really really let our kids participate. And am I concerned about them being on social media and in the public eye? I just think things are different now. I I don't really particularly care. You know, I did stand up for, for 10 years, so I would go on stage and like I would be vulnerable in front of people. I would talk about all my insecurities. And so for me, it's like it doesn't really it doesn't really matter that the, the public eye knows who we are, because ironically, and this is the weird part, we make our living on social media as, you know, as a you know, media and, and creating content. Ironically, we spend no time on social media. We're, <laughs> we're very reclusive people. My wife and I, we don't network well. We don't go out. We don't we don't do anything. We really 
make our content, we close our laptop and we go live our life and we spend time together and we go do other things. In, in the fall, we'll go pumpkin picking and, and I'll go work out. I'll go run through, through trails. I will finish my videos, shut my laptop, and then we don't check comments. We don't do anything. Wow, that's healthy. That's, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and I love that you touched on the fact that you grew up, you were working at a young age, you were part of a team, your family team. And the way that you're approaching this is as a family business. And I think that, I think that you're right. In, in many cases, it is kind of exploitive. Yep. In many cases, it is that. And in your case, it's not. It's more of a family business. It's a way to kind of set them up for the future. And and you touched on something where it really is a new day and age where everyone mm -hmm. is on social media anyway. And what this has done is allowed you to free your time up and really have more quality time with the family as opposed to, well, it's quality and quantity for that matter. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about the idea of instilling this work ethic in your kids at such a young age, because I think that's so valuable. Are you seeing well, you the know, benefits of it immediately? Yeah, well, well I mean, that, that that starts from the mom and the dad, obviously. I think in our situation, I, I, I've never been in the military, but I, you know, I run a military type operation. Not not that strict, but I'm saying, I mean, I'm, I'm very a loose person. I'm very calm. And like my kids can talk to me about anything, but they know that like there's times when I'm no nonsense. When when I say we start at 730, you, you, you are here to be prepared and ready at 730, not because dad said so but because I'm trying to teach you things that are important in life for you to have forever. And, you know, my wife and I, we're mom and dad first. And the reason we succeed, I think, is because we put our parenting, it's so important, whereas I've worked with other people. And if you want to call us influencers, I don't call us influencers, I call us entertainers. But we've seen other influencers and the kids are bratty. They're running around, you know, they're, they're just really, really brats. And that's because the mom and the dad really need those kids to make them money. Whereas in our business, we're all talented and that's not arrogant. It's humble because I've, I've overcome enough things to come to a place as a man where I'm just completely happy being myself. And I like who that person is. I'm not perfect, but when I get on camera or I'm, I'm making a video, I'm okay you know, having my full sense of humor. I'm okay being sarcastic. My wife is as well. So we, we have five people in this family who I feel all carry their own weight. Whereas because YouTube and social media is a young person's game. A lot of mom and dad, they, they, they pander to their kids because they need those kids to get those views so the mom and dad can support their life and pay that mortgage. And that's not, that's not the case for us. So it's really like, like a different philosophy. And, and like we have to run everything in a way that we feel very healthy, that we have a lot of integrity and that we run things and we have a lot of dignity with what we do. And, and, and that's, that's how we started early on. And we have not equivocated from that at all. I think that's I think that's absolutely wonderful. You touched on the fact that you've seen influencer families who the parents pander to the kids. And that's not just in the in the influencer world. That's that's everywhere. There are so many parents nowadays who really just pander to the kids, whether it's because they want them to behave or do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. You see a lot of parents who kind of just cede control to their children. And I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I see it more and more these days where I'm just like, dude, be a parent. A lot of times there are parents who try to be friends with their children and they, they care about what the children think as opposed to, hey, this is what's best for my child. So I just think it's pretty amazing that that's the focus that you're that you're taking, especially in a, in a world where, you know, you guys are kind of under a microscope. Absolutely. Hey, let me tell you a quick story. We just signed another deal with Walmart and I'm telling you Walmart because why we got the second deal. The first deal we got for Walmart, we were inside a Walmart store and there was 
all these people around, you know, there's PR people, production assistants, you know, there's all these people that are there that are, you know, that are watching. And my daughters were not acting right. And I, I went to the main person. I said, listen, I know we're doing this and it's expensive, but right now I'm going to have to cut and be a, and be a dad for a little bit because I don't like the way my, my daughters are, are, uh, are acting right now. And so I pulled them aside in front of everyone, not, not to embarrass them, but, but basically to let them know that this is not appropriate the way that they're acting. And so basically they were so impressed with what we did as parents. That's how we got this other day. They, they, they were like the McClure's forever because we've never seen a, a family do this because most families would just be scared to kind of approach it that way. But for me, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really care about money. So if you're speaking money to me and I'm a dad first, then your money doesn't matter to me because no matter who, who, whoever is the richest person in the world, I could sit down with that person tonight and I could, I could buy the most, whatever the most expensive steak on the menu is, if that's what I wanted, he could buy it. I could buy it as well. So to me, I'm rich. I don't need anything. So to me, money, money is not an issue. It's always the ethics and the integrity of everything that I'm doing. And that speaks first and foremost. I think with most influencers, it's like the money or the fear of being relevant. And that really drives a lot of things because there's so much fear now with like all the influencers, like, well, what if people don't like me anymore? What if I you know, start losing all these subscribers and like, I'm not relevant anymore. And, and to that, I say, everything runs its course. At some point, maybe nobody will care about us, but I'm going to sleep well tonight and the next day. That's, I mean, first of all, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, I think it's, I think it's wonderful that you were able to just kind of say, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm a dad first. And I think that what you touched on with respect to, Hey, money doesn't matter. It's integrity and, and, and who you are as a person when the cameras are off, right? Regardless of whether they're on or off for that matter, yep. it's who, who you are inside is what matters. And, and you mentioned that a lot of people come at it from a fear-based perspective. And I understand that because there is a fear in people when you, things are going well, you instantly are afraid that it's going to stop going well. And I want to know what you credit your ability to go, you know what? I don't care about any of that. It's integrity first. I don't care about the fear. I don't care about any of it. We're going to be good people no matter what. Because to me, that's a valuable quality. To me, that's that's integrity right there. But obviously, there's something that drives that, right? Because you don't just come to that. The people I find that the people who rise to fame quickly are the ones who have that fear thing because they didn't earn it. They didn't get there. Mm -hmm. They didn't. They didn't do the work on themselves first. And that's not to say there's. It's not a value judgment against them or or anything. It's just a fact. You get to that place. You rise up really fast. You go, oh God, what if it goes away? But the people who've really done the work on themselves go, I don't care about any of this. This is great. I'm going to ride this while it happens. And if it goes away, it goes away. I'm me. What brought you to that point? Well, you know, I think there's two quick answers to that. The one is in the beginning, I, I was a little bit fearful when we started, when we, when we uh, quit our day jobs and we're like, we're doing this full time. I thought, well, I didn't pander, but I thought, let's keep making the content that everyone wants to see. And then I quickly grew out of that because a lot of it wasn't me. I'm not a, I'm not a vlog dad. I'm not a goofy guy. I'm a more sarcastic and serious person with a, that type of a person. So I'm not really good for like the YouTube dad type thing. So but we quickly decided just to be ourselves. And we, we realized that people wanted that more than anything. And once I overcame that, really, you don't care what people think of you because I, you know, I got sober in 2012. And that journey to becoming a different human being is the greatest accomplishment in my life now. And I'm probably forever. I didn't like who I was. I, I essentially hated who I was. That's why people change. I mean, you don't walk into an AA meeting on, on a winning streak. You just don't do it. So in 2012, 
I saw a movie and in that movie, I saw myself. So I was, I, I was drinking wine. I was like drunk. Like I was every day. I was womanizing every day. I was living in New York city. I, I had a six figure job, but I was living paycheck to paycheck at times. I was living at my job. Previously, I had three DUIs in a year. I'd gone to jail five times, like rehab three. I mean, I, I have the real story. Like I have the real deal story in that regards to addiction. But in 2012, in October, I, I turned on a movie. And in the movie, it's called Unguarded, the Chris Heron story. And he was a professional basketball player. And I saw myself in this guy because I'd play basketball. And like, we were kind of the same. We were both Irish. And like, this guy was just wasting his life from drugs and alcohol. He wasted his NBA career. And there was one point in the movie when I looked at the TV and I said, that's pathetic. And then I said, oh, wait, that's you. Mm. That's you. And I really said that. And then there was something that went through my body as I was drinking. And I just said, you know what? You need to wake up tomorrow and just not drink. Like you can change if you want, but you, you can't keep saying you're going to do something or like whatever. And so the next day I woke up and I said, I'm just not going to drink today. And then the next day and the next day, and you know what happened? I didn't drink for you know six months. And after six months, I said, you know what? I think I need therapy. I need, I need to figure out why I'm treating myself this way. I need to figure out why I'm abusing myself. Why, why have I gone through all this? And then after therapy, I did that for a year, every Wednesday, every Wednesday. And that's the thing that you're, you'll learn about my particular story. I do not negotiate on things that I feel I need to do. If I, you know, I will do it like clockwork. So I would go, I would never miss it on, I would never miss a certain AA meeting. I would never miss my therapy. And then I said, you know, I think I need to move because I'm around all of these, all these triggers. So I moved and then I started mentoring and I started tutoring. And that's when I realized the gift of giving back to others, especially kids was helping me diminish my ego and find a lot of humility. And by that time, it almost been two years. And I, I was, I was on my road to like a much healthier person. But the point is with the addiction and my addiction, we, you know, I couldn't sit back and just say, I don't want to, I don't want to drink alcohol. I have to go replace that energy that I was putting into addiction and putting it into something else, healthier therapy or helping other people working out all those different things. So for me getting sober in 2012, and obviously I still am sober, that was the transformation in my life that gave me a lot of courage. I did stand up for 10 years. And I think I was a, a pretty good stand-up, but I never was really great because I was too scared on stage to be myself. I, I was too insecure. And I had to learn through therapy and other things, what, what were those things that drove me to go on stage and try to make people laugh? Because I really don't think I really loved it as much as I loved that people laughed at me because I needed that. Mm. I, I didn't love that I was giving, I, I love that they were laughing with me and making me feel good. So there was all kinds of things that I had to go through and I did. And, and the thing is, Adam, is that I, I did the work that you can't. That's the thing today is like there's so many shortcuts and apps to do things and websites. You, you cannot get around the work. And also there's no, there's nothing more fulfilling than the work. There's nothing more fulfilling than the work that I have done. It's like, you know, I, I, I work out a few days a week. I build a gym at my house. I, I have a CrossFit gym like in my house with racks and I have a GHD machine and I have like a rower. Every I'm down there by myself, but I'm doing five rounds of stuff. Nobody's watching me. But when I'm done, the work that I put in, you you can't take that from me. You, you know, you may not like the, the, the most recent video that I did. It may not have the views that I wanted, but nobody can take that transformation that you've done physically 
and also that I've done mentally and intellectually. Nobody can ever do that. So if I go online and people say they don't like my video or they don't like us anymore, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Hopefully you find something you do like. Are you that's, there, Adam? I mean, okay. So first of all, I love that. And I just want to say that that's, first of all, to be able to share that story, I think is just wonderful. And I, I know that the, the place where you're in right now is not like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to share this. I know that, I know that you're, you're open about this. I, I saw the post of, of eight years sober on, on Facebook. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing because, well, for two reasons, one, and I, I, I want to start with talking about that moment of clarity when you finally became self-aware. Because it was in that moment where you looked at this basketball player in this movie and you're like, that's pathetic. And then you're like, that's that's me. And it's yep. that it's that it's that shock, that realization that goes through the body where you go, no, I'm better than this. I can be better than this. And the crazy thing is, is that there are so many people who have that realization and then they quit before they ever start trying to fix themselves. And so before we move on anywhere, I just want to I just want to congratulate you and and really tip my hat even though I'm not wearing one. Mm -hmm. uh, but people are listening okay, so they mine. can't see. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but to the fact that you actually sat there and said, "You know what? No, I'm better than this and I'm going to do better." And the method that you did it was literally just I'm not going to drink today. I'm just going to not do it today. You didn't go, I'm done forever, because that's the easiest way to fail at something is I'm making this decision forever. The decision was today. Today, I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. Today, just I'm going to do one thing. I'm going, today, I'm going to do one thing, and that's not drink. And so, you know, I, I think it's important. And I know, I know you didn't mean to say this because you were just talking like casually, but you picked up, I picked up on, you said, when, when, when I, I said, or anybody might say, I'm better. No, it's really like the second part you said, when you said, I can do better, because I wasn't better. I, I was pathetic. I was in that moment. I was pathetic, but you're right. But I did say, as the shame went through me, I also had a bit of pride. I'm like, you know what? You can do better if you make better decisions. But right now, you're pretty pathetic. But why don't you wake up tomorrow and not drink? And that was the road to every day doing something. One thing, which, and this is the thing that I tell people is if they ever ask for advice, it's like, don't overcomplicate things. Don't don't try to like say I'm going to guarantee I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat better. I'm gonna, I'm going to become vegan. I'm going to stop drinking. You're going to fail at that because we 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 have to like really dissect things into like little micro parts. So for me, I knew that I said I'm just going to not drink, and then the next day not drink, and then the next day not drink, and at some point I said okay I'm going to do something else and also not drink, and that that was the thing that really was was helpful to me was like really looking at that movie and analyzing myself. And being honest for so, for so many years, I wasn't honest. I was like, you know what? I'm just, I just had this wild energy. Like, I'm just like, you know, I, you know, you make these excuses, but really when I looked at that guy and I, and I was like 35 or something, I was like, Justin, you're barely supporting yourself with like a six figure income. You can't even pay rent. You're getting kicked out. You're womanizing every night. You're doing all these different things. That is pathetic. Like that's who you are. And so from that honesty, I was able to like brush off the shame and say, okay, but tomorrow you can be a little bit better. And then that was the journey right there. I think it's, I think it's amazing. I, I will, I will argue one point though, because from where I sit, right, we are all individuated points of consciousness, right? Walking around in these bodies or whatever. I, I believe in the soul. I believe that you are always the person you are now. I believe that, you know, we are, yes, of course, the product of our choices. And sometimes we make bad choices and we end up in bad situations. But I would I would even today 
having not even known you at that point, go, yeah, sure. Maybe the choices you were making were, and I don't even like to use the word pathetic, but just not self-serving. They were, they were destructive and self-destructive choices. But I would go so far as to say, no, you were not pathetic because you were able to pull yourself out of it. And because who you are inside never shifts. That's, that's me. That's my perspective. Yeah, on no, I, I'm going to agree with you. Pe- people who know me, they, they, they tend to think I'm really hard on myself because back in those days, I was still a good person. I was a genuine person. I just had demons. And so I felt that was pathetic being you know, 35 years old and still like wasting all my money when other people are buying houses and stuff. That's pathetic. Who I was inside was a very generous person, very genuine person, somebody who had to really come to terms with saying, at some point, you can't make excuses for yourself anymore. If you had a bad childhood or whatever, at some point, you got to brush it off and say, I have one chance to live in this life. This is the this is the time I'm living now. I need to make the best of it. And I need to make, I need to be healthy. And I got to start right now. Otherwise, I'm, I'm going to be 54 and it's going to be the same thing. You know? And that's exactly, but but that's exactly, yes, 100%. That's exactly what I'm trying to say because, because you were a good person, no matter what. You just had your demons, like you said, and we all have those demons. Nobody is without them because if not for our challenges, right? How would we overcome? How would we improve ourselves? I talked about this on the show before where we live in a world of duality, right? So if you always had a sunny disposition and you always knew joy and that's all you knew, what would joy really be to you? It would just be, it just be another thing. But when you experience sadness, when you experience loss, when you experience darkness, that's how you can experience joy and having things and light because of the duality of where we live. So I just, I just wanted to clarify because to me, I see someone who, look, had you had that self-realization where you're like, wow, I'm making horrible choices right now. And then you went, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and make the same horrible choices tomorrow. And I'm going to keep doing that until it kills me. Okay, fine. You know what? I'll give you the pathetic card at that point. Mm-hmm. But, right. but but you didn't. You put in the work and you said something which I want to touch on right now because I think it's so powerful, which is that there's nothing more fulfilling than the work. And I couldn't agree with you more because so many people, they want to get to the end destination. They want to get to the goal. They want to succeed and, and achieve whatever it is that they're looking to achieve. But uh, most of the time, people don't realize that once you achieve that goal, you instantly have another goal that you want to achieve. Yeah. And so it's all about the work. And I think that that's amazing. I think it's, first of all, awesome that you have a gym at home that you do all that stuff with, because I would be right there with you, by the way. That's Listen, my jam. I, 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 at this point, I'm trying to find a workout partner because that would be the next step. It's like, I'm doing these things by myself, but I'm like, you know, it would be good to have somebody around to help motivate you a little bit. <laughs> right, right. It doesn't it doesn't suck when someone's there to push you to kick your own butt, right? But I, I think it's just amazing to have that work ethic. And I think that that, that for sure comes into play with respect to how you produce the show and and being able to come into that moment where the girls weren't behaving and you're like, nope, I'm a dad first. I don't care about anything else. I've overcome the point where I was making these horrible choices back in the day. I'm making better choices today. So would you say that and, and you know I, all I of your experiences have pulled you there? What's that? I was going to say, would you say that all your experiences from from the past of learning to pull yourself out of that darkness, out of that dark place and go, no, I'm going to make better choices. That's yeah, got to no, be it, what's influencing it's you today. It's the culmination of things. If I hadn't gone through what I've gone through to be the strong person that I am, I wouldn't be strong enough in front of my agent or other things to say, listen, I, 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 need, to, I need to put a break on this to be a dad right now. Because otherwise, you, you, you're, you're obsequious to the people around you to get the things that you think you need. When really, I already have what I need. I'm going to be successful in life. There's, there's, there's no negotiating on that. 
I, because I'm not going to give up. It's like, you cannot decide my fate. If tomorrow nobody cares about us on YouTube or like Facebook or whatever, it's like, I will take that experience and, and build a media company. There is no, I do what I do because I, I look at how I like to spend my time and I love creating stories. I'm a storyteller. So I did stand up for a long time. You tell, you tell stories on stage. Now I get to take all this footage and on a timeline and I chop it up and I try to tell the best story that I can. And I add little editing things and I make it funny. And like, man, if I had $7 billion, would I pay somebody to do this while I sit in a lawn chair all day under the sun? That would get boring after a while. So no, I would still do this because it fulfills my time as a human being while, while I'm spending time on earth. I had to do things that I'm passionate about. And so I'm doing it now. I love that. I think it's I think it's a, a really good point because there are a lot of people who look at it and go, oh, man, if I could only just sit on that lawn chair all day, they don't realize yep. they don't realize that that does get boring. Yeah, sure. For a week, that's going to be nice. But then eventually you're going to be like, well, I got I got I to do something. I don't know if you watch The Good Place, but it's a great show. Comedy, no. NBC. It was it was it was a really, really good show. And and again, I talked about this on one of my Friday episodes, but at the end of the day, once they were all in the good place, right? Heaven, whatever you want to call it. After eons of being there and doing everything under the sun that they could possibly want to do, have everything at their fingertips, they started to get into this place of of absolute sheer dread. And at the end of the day, it's you need to be doing something. You need to have that we need to have the life's challenges. We need to have those little things. And so if the challenge is, all right, how am I going to cut this 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 series of videos together to make sure that the, the the narrative is cohesive and that everything works and that I get the little, the funny things here and there, that's what you thrive on. That's what you enjoy doing. It's part of that mm -hmm. work. It's part of that process. And so as you move forward, there's always going to be more work to do. Where do you see things moving as you move forward in, in time? That's a great question. I, I think I have a good problem right now is that I'm kind of being asked to do a lot of things. I do have a media company and I'm running, I'm kind of teaching what I do to businesses because basically businesses are reaching out to me and they're saying, hey, can you do for our business what you did for your family? <laughs> because because <laughs> we're, we're, we're paying an agency and like they don't have a following. So basically I'm, I'm flying, going places and I'm meeting with businesses. But Adam, and this is really important for me to say is that I'm shutting a lot of it down because I just really like spending time with my kids. Like I really, I really am, I miss my kids when I'm not around. I think about them when, when I'm not around. I know that this life is going to go by so quick. And like, I love their little faces. And like, even when they annoy me, it's like, none of that matters. But if I'm doing things for the money, which I'm not, then why am I doing A, B, or C? And so I'm really, I'm at a place where I'm just like, really trying to make sure everything, we're going to be fine for a long time and not do things that are just for the money. So I'm turning down like a lot of things just because like, I just really want to spend time with my kids. Like at this point, the past three years, I have not missed a video on Wednesday, Friday, Sunday with precision and efficiency. I have not missed a video, no matter how busy our lives have gotten. And that's not because of, of fear or whatever. That's just the regimentation of for me to be successful, I have to put in the work. I'm not going to miss this. Just like when I was getting sober, I will not miss a day or I will not miss a meeting for 90 days in a row because I need that to be sober. I, I do what I do because my daughters and my son and my family see me and they're like, at some point, it kind, of, it kind of comes down to this. There's a lot of different ways to tell people you love them. I could say, you know, I love you. But at one point, 
my kids are going to look back and they're going to see all this content and they're going to see the love in it. They're going to see the thoughtful videos. They're going to say, my dad was so earnest. Like, look at this content. He must have really loved us. And that's it. But sometimes when I'm making the content, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm like, man, the legacy that I'm building, the, the documentation of our lives, this is special stuff. And that, that motivates me. So where I'd like to be, I just really want to like keep doing what we're doing. And at some point, hand it off to the girls and the kids or like whatever. Right now I have four people working for me. So may, maybe trying to build things out more if I can get people to do things, but I don't have to do it. Because I, I, you know, frankly, I'm at the point, I just really want to spend time. I want to work out. I want to play golf. I want to edit videos, but I don't want to be in meetings all day. I don't want to travel. I don't, I don't want to be away from my kids. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think it's, I think it's a great place. I, I mean, that sounds like a marvelous place to me as well. I, I, if, if given the opportunity, I would, I would probably choose the same thing, be, be mm-hmm. with my son, play golf and, you know, obviously ski in the winter. But <laughs> I, I think that's, I think that's a really wonderful, wonderful thing. You, you mentioned the consistency side of things. I, I find that a lot of times people have issues with consistency. In fact, I just posted today. Now, of course, this interview is not airing on the day that, that I posted this, but I just posted about how you have to have discipline because no one's going to be motivated every single day. No one's motivated every day. Like you, it's just not, you have to have discipline because sometimes you don't feel like showing up, right? Sometimes you just don't want to. Sometimes you wake up and you're like, no, I, I don't want to, but you do it anyway because you have discipline, right? And and it, it seems to me that discipline has played a massive role in your life because you said, you know, you're regimented. You don't miss a Wednesday, a Friday or a Sunday and you haven't and you won't. And I believe that you won't. How do you stay disciplined like what's your what's your method is it is it just a straight up like look this isn't negotiable i'm doing it if i don't put in the work then i should be irrelevant at some point as a family as a brand or whatever but whatever i care about i cannot become great or good at that if i'm not putting in the work and it all comes down to discipline there's no there's no there's really not bad choices in life it's it's somebody's lack of discipline to make a better choice that's all that's what it comes down to to me for when I was when I was drinking and all that type of stuff, I didn't have the discipline to make the better choices. I knew what the best choice was, but I didn't have the discipline to do it. And so, for me, I've always had a lot of discipline, and sometimes it's been used in in, in the in wrong ways. But since building this business, and I guess there's a bit of fear of being an entrepreneur because I don't I don't have a paycheck every two weeks or insurance or like all these benefits. I have to keep this machine going. So it's kind of like this. If I look out there and I see a construction guy working eight hours a day at his job, then who am I to say that I shouldn't be doing that myself just because I'm, I'm, I'm making content for social media? I need, to, I need to have the same discipline that these other people have, and I have it. Every, you know, it's almost like with precision how I, how I run my weeks. And a lot of people, it'd be boring. They'd be like, that's so boring that the, you're so regimented. Well, it might be boring to you, but it's not to me. And like, you're not here to decide my happiness just like I'm not here to decide yours. I'm happy being regimented and disciplined in ways when I'm achieving things. Now, there are times when I like to like, oh, it's Friday night. I'm done after this interview. I don't want to do anything. Like, I just want to hang out. I just, I don't want to do anything. And that's how I will be tonight because I try to get done with my work on Fridays around this time. And then the rest of the day, I'm just going to sit around and twiddle my thumbs. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think it's so important to actually schedule in time to just say, you know what, I'm not doing anything. And whether, look, sometimes that'll happen on a Tuesday. Sometimes that'll happen on a Friday. Sometimes it'll happen whenever. As an entrepreneur, as someone who can definitely relate, our job is essentially seven days a week. You, you know, people are like, oh, I want to be in business for myself because then I would do. Bl-. No, you work every day. You work every day, every single day. There's you just have to find that time 
to not work. It's it's important to find that. And I, I think that a lot of people miss that. They don't they don't they don't think about it from that perspective when they are working for someone else, for example. I just I just love that you went there. I have one more question before I ask the final one before we wrap up. Sure. We were talking about comedy before and how you were never vulnerable enough to kind of share certain aspects of your life, right? Which I've I found that the most the most profound public speaking situations. And so that goes with, you know, stand-up comedy, that goes with motivational speaking, whatever. To me, I think the most profound ones are when the person speaking is vulnerable and they share that huge aspect of themselves. And I find that a lot of the times when we are too afraid to be vulnerable, and I'm guilty of this too in my earlier years of stand-up, because it takes a long time to be able to be truly yourself on stage, as you can definitely attest to. Mm -hmm. It takes a while. And then you get there and you're just like, wow, okay, now I'm in the juice, you know? But we sometimes, when we're trying to be something, we're trying to figure out who we are, our personas or whatever, sometimes we'll say things that we're not proud of later, right? And when you're in the public eye, that can be that can be an issue. And we've seen this with cancel culture now. And I know that you dealt with something. Um, oh, yeah. No, I, I, we, we dealt with it big time. If you're getting to that, like, I'll bring that up. You know, so basically, well, hold on, story. let me, let me, let me jump in because I'm not, sure. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't even care about the thing. I want to, I want to talk about what you think surrounding, what you think about surrounding the whole idea of these things that we said back in the day or things that we did back in the day coming back now when it's like, look, I'm not that same person. We, we evolve as people. And I just wanted to get your perspective because you lived through it, right? And it does, if you want to share the situation, you can. Personally, I didn't even get involved in, in, in watching what happened to you because to me, I've followed and I go, no, 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 I know who this person is. So yeah. I don't care about what was said because it was 10 years ago or whatever it was. What are your thoughts on on things from our past coming back to bite us in the future, especially now that everything is so documented and it's all on video and it's all there. And at one point it made sense and it was funny and now it's offensive. What are your yeah. thoughts around that? You know, that, that, that's, that's it. That's the point. You know, 2010 Twitter is not 2020 Twitter. And so 2010 Justin is not. 2020, Justin, either. I was a very irreverent, insecure, crass. I would go on stage and I basically was a more of a cringe, irreverent comic. And that's that's kind of what I did. And I performed for a lot of black audiences. And so when I put a lot of these tweets out, because I would go to black clubs and black people love me. But like once you put these tweets out and black people see it, they see a white guy who's just saying these mean things. And, you know, so basically I had tweets that surfaced from like 2012. And they were just bad jokes. They were wordplay jokes. They were just like, whatever. But the thing is, Adam, what saved us is that when people realized that I got sober that year and they couldn't find anything later on and that what I really did is I, I married my wife, I adopted our daughters who, who I did not bring into this world. And people realized like, wow, this guy really did change. He said some crazy stuff, but that's not who this person is. So we really got a lot of love. And the most important thing is I was living under this umbrella. I would tell my wife, I'm like, I don't like that we're popular on social media in 2018 or whatever, but I can't tell people who I really am, that I am a sober person, that I adopted the girls. And like, we're not this perfect family that you think. So when this came out and all this unraveled, it really set us up to be able to make some content to say, listen, I finally get to tell you guys that I've gone on a journey. I've made mistakes. And like you said before, I was in the valley, but you don't know the view from the mountaintop till you've been in that valley. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you about the valley. I've been there and I climbed out and it was hard, but I, I did it and I climbed out. 
And these these things that you saw me say on Twitter, that was when I was in that valley and I was a lost, insecure, hopeless person, but I changed. And so how do I feel about it? So, you know, in 2018, it made me a little bit angry because I, I knew that wasn't me. But then I, I thought about it and I was like, Justin, you know, there's there's accountability for everything. And like, you have to know that anything you say these days can live forever to make better choices. And so now when I speak to kids at high schools or whatever, that's one of the main things I bring up. I tell my story. I'm like, guys, listen, I said some crazy stuff that got me in trouble and it's not who I am or, or at all now, but it still almost canceled us. And the only reason it didn't is because of, of these other things of people really finding out the truth of who we are. But in one week, we lost a $50,000 deal with Nickelodeon. We lost a $35,000 deal with like Claire's and like some other stuff. So we, we, we had a, a few months of like, it was like really bad. But once again, the discipline and the tenacity, I knew who I was. I was just like, Justin, just keep being yourself. And I would talk to the universe and I would say, there must be a reason that I'm, that this has happened. I, I still am, there's still some type of penance that I, I have to repay something right now. So, so I had to take it on the chin and realize that like, there's a reason this lesson is coming down to me to give me even more humility. And, and I just looked around universe, I'll take it, whatever you need me to do, I'm going to learn this lesson and just, and just keep going. But as far as the, the cancel culture, my, my biggest thing is I, I'm glad that 2020 is not the same as 2010 because people should not be offending other people. They should not be saying these mean things about other people. So I, I'm in agreement with who we are now, not only because I've changed, but we shouldn't be saying these things about people for their race or sexuality or gender. Like we just shouldn't be saying it. it's not funny. It's not smart. It's not clever. It's none of those things. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more as far as as far as that goes. I think from where I sit, it's almost a gift that your stuff from the past came back to bite you in the future or in the or in the well in the more recent past at this point. But I think it's almost a gift because you you even said it, you were known on social media, but I can't be honest. And this kind of opened up the door and forced you to be honest. It's almost like, it's almost like you willed it into existence. And I know you didn't obviously, but, but I, you know, I see things like that as a gift when we're in something in the moment, we don't realize the, the true gift of that moment. And some, or sometimes, sometimes we do, but oftentimes we don't realize that the struggle that we're dealing with is actually a gift. And when we look back on it, we go, wow, you know what? Yeah, that was really hard to go through, but what a gift it was. Like even this pandemic for people who are living through this right now, for the people who are out there who are turning to substances to deal with things, for the people out there who are looking at things, they've lost jobs, they don't know what's going on. And I know that right now things are tough and I'm not saying, oh, just buck up, it'll be okay. I'm saying, no, have faith that better times will come. Take an honest look at yourself. Justin was in a position where he could have kept drinking, could have kept doing that, could have made the same decision every day, but he chose a different path. And that, I think the, the main point is that we always have a choice. So with that, I'd like to ask you, what would be one thing that you would say to my listeners today that they could take home or take with them right now that will help them live better and enhance their lives? Well, for me, I've always tried to be very rational and write down things. So, for instance, when I got sober, I wrote down on a piece of paper, because once you can write something down, you can't lie about that, like it can live in your head. So I wrote down the reasons for, you know, reasons I should and shouldn't drink or do drugs or, or live this other life. And basically, it comes down to, if I keep doing this, I can lose a house, a job, a car, a girlfriend. I will never gain one of those things. 
ever, I will never gain one of those things ever if I keep living this lifestyle. So making a rational list of things of pros and cons has always helped me. And then having so much discipline that you do not look back and ever go to the other side of that paper. And so for me, it was a single-minded focus to just do one thing at a time, put one foot in front of the other to achieve that goal that I wrote down on that piece of paper. And like we said before, it really came down to discipline, tenacity, and really for, for my own personal story was um, a lot of solitude. I had to remove myself from people, places, things. That's the other biggest thing is that who are the people you're hanging out with? What are the things you're doing? And where are the places you're going? If they don't serve the purpose, then get rid of them. And so for me, the people I'm hanging out with, well, they're people I'm going to the bar with or like whatever. Okay, get rid of the, I, I can't hang out with those people. Where am I living? I'm living in a place with those bars all around me. I need to move to a better place. What are the things I'm doing? They're not good. So what I did for a year of my life, and I did this, I talked about this in a TED Talk, is people asked how I really got sober, is I would walk every night after work in Manhattan from Wall Street to Washington Heights. It was five miles. I would walk every day because I was too afraid I might go to a bar. So I said, I'm going to walk every day from five o'clock and I'd get home at around 11 o'clock. For six months, I did that, almost a year. And that discipline helped keep me out of the bars, but people, places, things. And that, that was my biggest thing is like the people, the places, the things, if it's not on that list, then it's got to go. I love that. That's like a roadmap to improving your life right there. Look at the people, places, and things in your yep. life. If it doesn't align with where you want to be, change the people, places, and things in That's your it. life. And it's so crazy because that could sound so cold, but it's so necessary because nobody's going to live your life for you. You have to live it for yourself. And so this has just been so wonderful, Justin. Can you, for the people who may not know, would you please let everyone know where they can find you and your beautiful family? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Well, if, if you're on Facebook, if you, if you were to type in the McClure family or Justin McClure, you'll find us on Instagram, JK McClure, Justin McClure. And on, on YouTube, I, I would, and I, and I think this is important. I'm, I'm my biggest hype man. I think, we make, I think we make the best content on the internet. I think we're the most entertaining family. So people love when I talk about it this way, but I'm like, if you want to watch some good content, go watch one of our videos. So I think they're entertaining and they're life lessons. We're family friendly. And I'm really proud of what we do, but you can find us on YouTube, the uh, the Mighty McClure's. Wonderful. Justin, thank you so much for being with us today. It's just been so wonderful. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.